Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to Haunted Road, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion is advised. Hey gang, this is just a quick reminder that I have a massive fall tour coming up starting in September. And so if you want to head to my website, amy-bruni.net and click on the appearances page, you can see if I will be anywhere near you. A lot of these do have meet and greet options too. So if you want to get a photo with me or ask me a question personally, this is your chance. I can see just looking at my schedule, I'm going to be in California, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Texas, Louisiana, and more. So please check it out and hopefully we will get to meet in person and talk about spooky things, my favorite.
Recently, I was fortunate enough to visit the city of La Coruña, Spain. High on my list of spots to see in town was the Tower of Hercules, the oldest lighthouse in operation today. Historians believe it was built over 2,000 years ago by the Romans. As I stared at the ancient tower, I couldn't help but think of all the lore and fascination around lighthouses. After all, one cannot undermine their importance in the maritime world. And before the age of electric lights, the pressure and importance placed on the keepers who tended to them. This particular lighthouse has a major legend associated with it, involving Hercules, hence the name. Legend has it that the legendary Greek hero came in search of the giant Geryon, who ruled over the lands between the Douro and the Tagus to free the people from his unbridled power. Their struggle lasted three days and nights, after which time Hercules defeated the giant, beheaded him, and buried his head by the sea. To celebrate his victory, he built over the burial mound a tower lighthouse, and in the vicinity of it, he founded a city he named Crunia, or La Corunia, after the first woman who inhabited this place and with whom the hero fell in love. Certainly a legend, but definitely a reflection of lighthouses and the mystique they seem to hold over us. We don't have any 2,000-year-old lighthouses with heads of giants buried beneath them here in the States, but we do have a lot of haunted ones, and I've investigated a ton of them. But one holds true to its very well-known reputation as being the most haunted lighthouse in America, in my opinion anyway. And that, my friends, is the St. Augustine Lighthouse in St. Augustine, Florida. Let's head there, shall we? I'm Amy Bruni, and welcome to Haunted Road. High above the Florida coastline, a light shines across the darkened seas, guiding ships into port. In some ways, the lighthouse in St. Augustine is a beacon of safety, but the centuries-old structure in America's oldest city is full of history, some of it unspeakably tragic. And today, it's one of the most haunted locations in the country. It's certainly one of the most haunted locations I've ever visited, which is why I go back again and again to discover St. Augustine Lighthouse's secrets but it wasn't always full of ghosts. In fact, for a long time, it was full of families living their lives as keepers of the light and protectors of the coastline. First founded in 1565 by Spanish explorer Pedro Melendez, St. Augustine, Florida is the first place in North America to be colonized by Europeans, beating the British settlement of Roanoke by two years. Melendez named the city after St. Augustine because the sailors on his expedition first spotted the land on that saint's feast day, August 28th. At the time Melendez colonized St. Augustine, about 40 miles south of present-day Jacksonville, the land had long been occupied by the Timucua tribe, whose land stretched from what's now southern Georgia to central Florida. Historians estimate that there were as many as 200,000 members of the Timucua tribe in Florida at the time, However, disease introduced by the Europeans decimated them so much that within 200 years, fewer than 100 Timucua were left alive. There were also French forces present in the area, whom Melendez and his explorers defeated to claim the land for Spain. Today, St. Augustine is a city of about 15,000 people and is a popular tourist town in Florida, not just for its 42 miles of pristine Atlantic beaches, but for its history, haunted and otherwise. If you've watched Kindred Spirits, you might remember seeing an episode about the old St. Augustine jail where Adam and I made contact with spirits of the former warden and prisoners who had been executed there. 
In fact, St. Augustine is home to what some claim is the real fountain of youth, rumored to have been discovered by Ponce de Leon in 1513 in his explorations of Florida's coast. You can visit it today at the Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park, though no promises about whether you'll actually feel younger afterwards. What I can promise you, though, is that the water coming from the fountain tastes heavily of sulfur, so shoot it like a shot of bad tequila and hope for the best. Though the lighthouse that shines over St. Augustine's water is on the site of what's described by local tourism organizations as the oldest permanent navigation aid in North America, today's lighthouse isn't the original structure. Spanish settlers first built a wooden watchtower at the northern end of Anastasia Island in 1589, according to the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum. The watchtowers were erected by the Spanish crown during the building of the Castillo de San Marcos to keep enemy ships from taking Anastasia Island. While the height of that original watchtower is unknown, the second watchtower, built in the early 1700s, was 30 feet tall. That structure, built of coquina, which is a shell rock, and wood, lasted for almost 140 years. According to the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum, after the French and Indian War made Florida a part of the British Empire, the Brits added 30 feet of wooden construction to the existing structure in 1763. It's at that time that the structure first became a lighthouse, with the intention of protecting incoming ships from the dangerous sandbars in the inlet at the northern end of the island, sometimes called the Crazy Banks. When Spain regained control of Florida in 1783, the Spaniards tore down the British additions to the tower, making it just a watchtower and not a lighthouse again. Then, in 1821, the United States gained possession of Florida, and the tower was once again converted into a lighthouse in 1824. According to the St. Augustine Lighthouse's records, Juan Andreu, a Menorcan, was paid $350 a year to care for the lighthouse and tend the 10 oil lamps set in silver, bull-shaped reflectors. Juan Andreu served as the lighthouse keeper until his death in 1849, and members of the Andreu family would keep the light until the Civil War. In 1854, the lighthouse saw a major upgrade, the installation of a fourth-order revolving Fresnel lens that measured nine feet high inside the more than 50-foot-tall tower, which the lighthouse keeper would have had to climb inside to light the whale oil lamps. As the Lighthouse Museum describes, the jewel-like lens was handmade just for St. Augustine in Paris, France by the company of Sauter and Le Manier. It represented the height of Victorian engineering and technology and cast its beam much farther out to sea than its predecessor. The new light now demonstrated three fixed flashes from three bullseye panels that could be seen from up to 19 to 24 nautical miles depending on atmospheric conditions. In 1859, lighthouse keeper Joseph Andreu, Juan's cousin, fell 60 feet to his death at the lighthouse. As Eleanor DeWire describes it in her Guide to Florida Lighthouses, Andreu fell when a faulty support on the scaffolding had given way as he was whitewashing the tower, which was one of his job duties. In an issue of Spyglass, Kelsey Lloyd quotes Andreu's obituary, which paints a horrifying picture of his fall. He first struck the roof of the oil room about 30 feet below, whence he glanced off and struck the stone wall which encloses the lighthouse and thence to the ground, a stone parapet. After Joseph's death, his widow, Maria Andreu, became the lighthouse keeper. She was the first female lighthouse keeper in Florida and the first Hispanic American in the United States Lighthouse Service. In an article for the Lighthouse Museum about Maria, Kimberly King writes, Tradition has it that Maria went to the top of the lighthouse to call out, 
What shall I do? Reportedly, she heard her husband's voice on the wind tell her to tend to the light. During the Civil War, Confederate sympathizers removed the lens from the lighthouse, hiding it away for the duration of the war with the intention of blocking shipping to the north and supplies to the Union troops. During the Civil War, Confederate sympathizers removed the lens from the lighthouse, hiding it away for the duration of the war with the intention of blocking shipping to the north and supplies to Union troops. Maria was on duty at the time. Some sources claim that she shot and injured a Confederate soldier named Joseph Pacetti as he tried to smash the lens. Others, however, believe that Maria must have known of the plan and provided access to the lens room. When the U.S. Navy recaptured St. Augustine, the lens was found and reinstalled, but not without some difficulty. In a museum article, Paul Zelensky writes that Northern troops arrested Paul Arnau, the mayor of St. Augustine, and sequestered him on the Union gunboat Isaac Smith until he revealed the location of the lighting mechanisms for the St. Augustine light and other lighthouses in the area, including Cape Canaveral. The lighthouse was relit in 1867, but at that time was showing serious signs of erosion. According to Lighthouse Friends, on July 1, 1870, the distance from the keeper's dwelling to the high water mark was 70 feet, but by November the distance had shrunk to just 40 feet. The Lighthouse Board determined that a new lighthouse was needed and a five-acre tract located a half-mile inland was acquired after old Spanish land grants and claims of settlers were straightened out. Construction began on the new lighthouse in 1871, but tragedy soon struck. Hezekiah Pitty, the superintendent of lighthouse construction, lived on site with his wife Mary and their children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. During the construction, workers used a railway cart to move supplies from supply ships to the building site, which the children used to play in when it wasn't in use. In a Lighthouse Museum article, Kelsey Lloyd writes, they used the cart as a Victorian-era roller coaster, riding the cart to the water and bringing it back up to the site to ride again. Only a wooden board at the end of the rail stopped the cart from tipping over into the water. On July 10, 1873, Mary, Eliza, and Carrie Pitty, along with a 10-year-old African-American girl whose name isn't known, were playing with the cart, not realizing that the board wasn't in place to stop the cart. When it reached the end of the track, the cart flipped over, landing in the water and trapping the four girls underneath. While a worker named Dan Sessions saw the event take place and raced to dive into the water to rescue the girls, he was too late. Three of the four girls drowned. Only four-year-old Carrie Pitty survived. According to reports, the whole town shut down to observe the funeral. More than a year later, in October 1874, the new lighthouse became operational. Three keepers kept the light going in eight-hour watches, which required carrying a 30-pound can of lard oil up the 214 stairs of the tower and winding the 275-pound weight that made the lens move. The lightkeepers would also sometimes be called upon to rescue sailors whose ships had foundered on the nearby sandbar. In 1875, a new keeper's house was built on the site to accommodate the number of men needed to keep the lighthouse operational. Five years later, the old tower fell into the ocean. In 1894, keeper Joseph Rantia's wife Mary died on the property. Things got much easier for the lightkeepers in 1936 when the tower was wired for electricity. In 1955, the keepers were replaced by a lamplighter who turned the light on and off. In between, the lighthouse served an important role in World War II when the U.S. Coast Guard was stationed at the lighthouse around the clock on the lookout for German boats. 
With light keepers no longer needed on the property, the keeper's house was boarded up. In 1970, it burned down under mysterious circumstances and was restored from 1984 to 1988. Today, the lighthouse operates as a nonprofit and has restored the structure to how it appeared in 1888 with a spiraling black and white pattern and a red roof. At 165 feet tall, it is St. Augustine's oldest surviving brick structure. While it's still an operating lighthouse, it's also open for tours. People come to see the gorgeous, serene landscape and the pristine shores of St. Augustine. They also come looking for ghosts. And there are a lot of ghosts to be found. Nowadays, the St. Augustine Lighthouse is famous around the world for the remarkable paranormal activity that staff and visitors witness there. In the Keeper's House, a relief lighthouse keeper in the 1950s reported hearing footsteps on the second floor, but couldn't find anyone when he went looking for the source of the sound. James Pippin, the last keeper to live on site, served from 1953 to 1955. He first lived in the Keeper's House, but eventually moved to a much smaller building on the property, saying that the big house was haunted and he would not stay another night in it. During renovations to the house when it was being restored in the 1980s, many people reported unexplained incidents on the site, especially in the basement, which had not burned in the fire. In that basement, people have reported seeing the shadow figure of a man and feeling a column of chilly air. As you might expect, the lighthouse itself has many reports of paranormal activity. Staff report that they will bolt a door before leaving for the night, only to find it wide open in the morning. Even doors that are supposed to trigger an alarm. Music boxes in the gift shop are said to start playing on their own. Disembodied children's laughter has been reported throughout the lighthouse, and some people say they've heard a woman's voice calling for help. Guides claim that they have been touched by spectral presences in the middle of tours. One guide, Matt Laddick, told a reporter, Rather recently, I had my ankle grabbed. That was pretty amusing since it was in the middle of my tour, so it looked like I just randomly tripped over air. A ghost has also been blamed for a visitor who found her shoelace suddenly tied to the lighthouse stairs. People have reported seeing a shadowy figure peering down over the railing of the staircase. One guest has claimed to take a photograph of a woman standing on the gallery deck near the top of the lighthouse when no one was there. Some have speculated that this is the ghost of Maria Andreu, who sometimes seen on the gallery deck in a white dress, her long dark hair blowing in the ocean breeze. Some think it's one of the girls who died in the railway car accident. The girls, it's believed, appear more frequently in bad weather. Ghosts of the girls, commonly believed to be playful spirits, have been reported over the years in and around the lighthouse. They have been blamed for the giggling sometimes heard in the tower, as well as mysterious child-sized footprints that have shown up when no children were present in the area. An employee stated that one such footprint resisted his attempts to clean it for several weeks, only to vanish from the floor as suddenly as it had appeared. A group of paranormal investigators using an EMF meter in the basement of the keeper's house asked if the girls wanted to play hide-and-seek, only to see a spike in the meters. A woman in the group wandered the basement with the meter. When she'd see a spike, she'd ask the girls if they wanted to play again, only to search the basement for their next hiding spot. The girls have been seen as full-bodied apparitions in and around the lighthouse over the years, often said to be wearing blue velvet dresses. Once, a young girl in a Victorian outfit was seen sitting on a bench reading a book. According to paranormal tour group Old City Ghosts, visitors to the lighthouse describe catching flashes of a young girl dressed in old-era clothing gazing out from the lighthouse door or standing by the upstairs window. 
the ghost of this young lady is rather pleasant and rarely interacts with visitors. As Kelsey Lloyd writes, a woman on a ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behavior on the tour. Confused, the woman said she had no daughter. The other woman then told her that a little girl had been standing by her side most of the evening. There were no children on the tour that evening. Another common apparition is a menacing man, sometimes believed to be Joseph Andreu, the lighthouse keeper who died from the 60-foot fall. Known as the man in blue, he wears overalls or a suit in his namesake color and is said to terrorize workers, chasing them up and down the stairs of the lighthouse. One worker was so frightened that he quit his job over the activity. People claim to hear the disembodied screaming of a man, who some believe is a lighthouse keeper who hanged himself in the basement, though there is no historical record of a hanging suicide on the property. A construction worker on the Keeper's House restoration project in the 1980s claimed to have seen a spectral hanging man. In Joyce Elson Moore's book, Haunted Hunter's Guide to Florida, she writes of the construction worker's experiences. According to Moore's book, he said he was told by a local who had talked with David Swain, the assistant keeper from 1933 to 1944, and Lamplighter from 1955 to 1968, that Swain said a visitor from the sea had hanged himself in the building in the 1930s and that Swain claimed a man's footsteps would follow him from the house to the tower. The worker said so many accidents occurred on the job there that he and some fellow tradesmen quit after six months. The mysterious smell of cigar smoke and the sound of heavy boots on the lighthouse stairs have been blamed on the man in blue. Some also associate the cigar smoke with the ghost of Peter Rasmussen, the lighthouse keeper from 1901 to 1924. Rasmussen was the longest serving keeper of the lighthouse who was a smoker and who also deeply disliked tourists visiting the lighthouse. Some claim to hear the ghost of keeper William Harn, who served from 1875 to 1889. Harn died of tuberculosis contracted during his Union Army service in 1889. Some say you can still hear him coughing in the parlor of the keeper's house. So, since we've started digging into the spooky side of the lighthouse, I wanted to bring someone on who has investigated with me there numerous times and has had lots of crazy experiences there as well. Up next, in his Haunted Road debut, finally, we will be chatting with none other than psychic medium Chip Coffee. That is coming up after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, I am sitting here with my dear friend, Chip Coffee. I really wanted to talk to you about The Lighthouse because, one, I've been wanting to get you on Haunted Road for a long time, and two, uh, you and I have investigated it together on a number of occasions, and so we've had a lot of really wild experiences there, and I think you also have kind of the interesting perspective of coming at it from a psychic medium standpoint, which I find very interesting too. And so the reason why The Lighthouse, I believe, is so popular as far as being haunted. I mean, I think that locals knew it was haunted for a very long time. But what happened was Ghost Hunters was filming there in season two. So the show Ghost Hunters was in St. Augustine. They had filmed at the uh, old city jail and or the old jail, I should say. And they were supposed to film somewhere else, but it fell through. And a number of people told them they needed to investigate at the lighthouse. And somehow it, it came to be. And so they ended up investigating there and they got what I think is probably one of the most compelling pieces of evidence ever captured and shown on paranormal television. Basically what happened is they got a really great EVP of someone saying, help me in the lighthouse. And then they got two video captures of a shadow figure. When you look up that kind of spiral staircase, one was kind of a brief, it looked down and then darted away really fast. And then the second one was you literally see that head kind of look over down at them and then back up. And it has become kind of this iconic photo from the lighthouse. People take that still all the time. And we've seen that shadow. You've experienced that shadow, right, Chip? I have. I have. One of the times that I was there with Strange Escapes, I was actually with a group and we were looking up into the up into the top of the lighthouse and we saw something lean over the banister and look down at us. It was very creepy. Yeah. And it's, he's seen a lot. I'm assuming it's a he, I don't know. I'm, I'm, but you know, he has seen quite a bit and it's interesting because lighthouses, they do have this really strong residual energy. And I feel like that's kind of what's fueling the shadow figure. And you have to be very careful when you're investigating the lighthouse because it is very echoey. It is almost pitch black in there. Like, you know, obviously it's very tall, as we know. We've both walked up it a couple times. Almost to our deaths <laughs> going up there because by the time you get up there, I don't care how fit you are, you are huffing and puffing and you just think, oh my God, now I've got to go back down. And then I feel like a jerk because you know, like these lighthouse keepers, it was literally their job to go up there multiple times a day. Better them than us, right? I guess that's one way to stay healthy. You're like, I just climb a lighthouse four or five times a day. No, thank you. I think it's the original Stairmaster or something. You know, you just <laughs> keep, keep on going. I wish they had like, I think we talked about this before, like some sort of like pulley system where you could just slowly lower yourself back down. <laughs> I said like a fireman's pole or like a slide and a kid's thing. <laughs> oh my I gosh, think a if slide. I had to go up there again, they'd have to rig a hoist to get me up to the top of this lighthouse. So, well, that being said, there was so much space between the bottom and the top. And I feel like there are maybe a couple little windows, but it's very dark other than that light kind of coming from the very top. Even at night, there is that kind of ambient light, which you can see 
if there's something up there, you do have kind of a background you can see, but it's easy for that to kind of play tricks on you as well, like that different lighting and the shadows and everything. And then like I was saying, the sounds bounce around a lot, but if you're very still and you sit at the bottom of that lighthouse and you have a, you know, a few people in there looking up very quietly, you will hear footsteps, you will hear voices, and if you're lucky, you will see that shadow. And we heard whistling, whistling. <laughs> you know, we whistled a couple of times and we got whistled back at. And that's a common thing with, you know, people that are, that are ghost hunting or investigating. They will often whistle and you've mentioned that you did it. And we've gotten results with that. Neither one of us knows why, I don't think. The whistling thing is always interesting to me because I've, I have done a few cases where, you know, we would whistle and get a response. Like I remember one time we were whistling Yankee Doodle and... I remember that. Yeah. And something finished it for us. And so it's kind of that, you know how we always do that shave and a haircut knock and yes. there are just certain things from certain time periods that everyone relates to and they can't help but finish it. Like you can't leave Yankee Doodle Dandy hanging. You got to finish that. And so maybe... I mean, I'm, I'm completely guessing here, but if I were a lighthouse keeper and you're trudging up those steps day after day, probably by yourself a lot of the time, even though their families were there, you're probably whistling. You're probably humming, you know, probably doing anything to kind of keep yourself busy because that is such a job that involves routine and times. Like you're doing things at the exact same time every day. You're doing the exact same thing every day. And while those activities might seem mundane. They are literally life or death in the maritime industry. Like you had to do that. And so I, I feel like those lighthouse keepers probably took their jobs very, very serious. And it's probably why they're haunted. Do you think that maybe they just kind of feel this sense of having to return or having to kind of keep up at the job and make sure it's being taken care of? I think it's duty and responsibility. And beyond that, you have to be very committed to do a lighthouse keeper job. You have to, to make that commitment to say that I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to take this responsibility very seriously. And honestly, saying that, you really almost have to love that job. It has to be something that you really, really love doing because many times you've got your family there with you and a relatively small amount of space. So you got to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And so from a psychic medium standpoint, because you have that ability, I do not have that ability. I think you've got some intuitive abilities, Bruni. I really do. I think that you can sense things when you go into things, but beyond that. And we'll talk about what it's like to have a, a psychic medium friend in a moment. Like you've been into many lighthouses, I take it, right? Like, is there like a different energy in them? Do you sense something different in a lighthouse than you do in other locations? I think I sense just what we've talked about. I sense that the people that are there have this affection for where they're at. They've grown to love that location. And I'm not surprised that in death, if you go back looking for them, that you're going to find them. They're going to stay there. I mean, think of Rose Island Lighthouse and the history there also. Not only at St. Augustine, but at Rose Island, the keeper was still there. And other people, we encountered other people at the lighthouse, a little boy, if I remember correctly, at Rose Island. You know, it's not uncommon for families to really imprint on those locations. So that's what I think I feel is that 
not only that interactive energy that's there with us that often pops up and, and gives us what we want as far as interaction with us, but also that residual energy that they left behind because of all the time that they spent and shared there. I do think it's that kind of that imprint of their routine and their duty, but then there's also sometimes more intelligent hauntings. I found both there where you have someone who will actually interact. And then you also have someone who just is kind of going about their day, you know, and that's like even at Rose Island, which I'm sure we'll cover on Haunted Road eventually. But we triggered that ghost by making the sound of the cannon fire because the cannon fire was his cue to go up and light the light. And so we played cannon fire. And next thing you know, you hear these footsteps going up the tower. And I think it's kind of similar at St. Augustine. But there is so much other history there as well. And a lot of it involved families. Like there were the deaths of some little girls nearby and people hear those girls all the time, not just in the lighthouse, but in the keeper's quarters and on the grounds itself. Did you sense them at all or have any experiences with them? I did. And it was in the exterior part of the of the property that I kind of felt them. I didn't even know the history of the lighthouse when I went there. Sometimes if you're going to a famous place and you know you're going to go there, you might know the history of the location. But I didn't. I had not researched it. And when I first went there with you and the Strange Escapes Company, I knew nothing. And I sensed these kids. And that was a little confusing to me. I figured maybe there were kids there at some point in time, but I picked up that there were little girls. And later I was informed that there had been a tragic accident where some girls were playing in a cart of some sort. And the cart went over the the side of a, a cliff or something, and they plunged into the water. And several of them, I think, were, were killed in that accident. Yeah, there were four of them and three of them passed away. And I mean, it was a huge deal in the town. There was a big funeral and they all mourned and, you know, it was just, it was a major tragedy and something you wouldn't expect at a lighthouse per se. No, not at all. Interesting that you picked that up. Uh, The other thing I've encountered there is, now this is something I didn't know actually until I went through the history for this episode. What's interesting is that the basement is the one original part of the house. So they have redone everything else. And so the basement is the only like original, original part of the keeper's quarters. So it's so strange that we see this shadow down there all the time. But going back to that, I did have a group down there that I was investigating with one night. And I just got a feeling like something felt off and kind of unnatural. And I'd been looking at this group in the dark as we did an EVP session for a number of minutes at this point. But something changed. And I'm just looking at them and it's pitch dark, but I can see their outlines because there's a little ambient light from a window up in the corner. And it dawned on me, I'm like, I don't think I remember that man sitting there. And there's these two women sitting and there's this man in between them. And all I can see is their shadow and their outlines. And so I'm like, let me count my group because I knew how many people were in the group. So I start at the end and I'm like, let me count here. One, two, three. And I get back to where this man was and he is not there anymore. And I look at the two women in the dark and I'm just like, um, excuse me. And like, I put my flashlight on and like, I shine at the floor. I never like to shine at people's eyes because one, it makes them feel like they're being arrested. And two, it's like <laughs> they're, they, they lose their night vision instantly. So I always put it down at the floor just to get a little light. And I look at them and I'm like, was there just a man sitting in between you? And these two women just went like wide-eyed, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> well, there was a man sitting there a moment ago. I'm lucky those two didn't go running out of there. I probably would have would have been a little <laughs> freaked out by that. But, you know, even in that location, when we were there, I was there with you and Adam at one point in time in the that area. And, you know, it was, we got a, a few EVPs, if I remember correctly. And, you know, maybe some of the other equipment went off, but we were definitely getting interactive energy when we were in that basement area. Oh, yeah. And I even saw a shadow in the other room at one point. And I think this was maybe like the next year that we went. So if you don't know, I own a company called Strange Escapes, and we go to St. Augustine Lighthouse almost every year. And so we're going again this September, so next month. Anyways, I was sitting and I remember just seeing a shadow figure just walk right past the doorway in the other room in the basement. So again, I don't know who this shadow is. And yes, we have gotten some wild EVPs there as well. Adam and I actually recently just filmed at a lighthouse for another TV show. We did a crossover and that one was even taller than St. Augustine. And when you get up to the top... Your legs are like shaking. And I'm like, am I terrified or am I exhausted? What is happening here? I remember that Greta, my travel assistant and BFF, and I went to an event once when we were in Pensacola, Florida at the Naval Station. And there's a lighthouse there. And Mm -hmm. when you walk up the steps, the stairs are not solid. They're like webbed and you can see down through it. And I'm afraid of heights anyway. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. And it was rainy and windy. And we got to the top. And I'm standing up there and I'm like, why did I do this? I'm like having vertigo and I'm going to pass out or something. And Greta and a couple of other people that had gone up with us, they were out on the on the on the outside of the lighthouse walking around and the wind is whipping and the rain is whipping. They're like, come on out. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not going to do this. Not happening. (laughs) And then I realized, oh, crap, I've got to go back down those stairs that I can look down again at. And I'm like, why did I ever do this? But I feel you, you know, you're dead by the time practically that you get to the top, but it's worth it. Let me, you know, back to that. It's worth doing just once. Yeah. And actually that is the lighthouse that Adam and I were at filming. So I can't say who we were with yet. (laughs) And it was slippery. Adam was like trying to hold on to the wall. I've actually not ever seen him so afraid in the lighthouse. I also one time was in the Absecan lighthouse, which is in... Atlantic City, New Jersey. And I was in that in the middle of a storm filming Ghost Hunters. That lighthouse was swaying in the wind. And I was like, what? This doesn't seem normal. And you know, you're up there filming and it's literally moving. And they said it was designed to do that. And I was like, well, I am designed not to be in this lighthouse right now. <laughs> so I was like, goodbye. <laughs> no, I would have, that would have been it for me. I would have lost all control of my body functions and died on the spot. <laughs> Thankfully, St. Augustine does not sway. But I do think St. Augustine is probably the most active lighthouse I have been to. It is very reliable in the sense that like, if you walk in there, especially at night and you're quiet and you take the time, you are going to have an experience and not just in there, but in the keeper's quarters or on the grounds itself, like something will happen for you as long as you are patient and quiet. Like, I I don't think I've ever not had something happen there. And the times that I've been there, you're absolutely right. They are totally willing to come out and interact. Yeah. 
Well, we're having a strange escapes there in September. If you're listening to this before September of 2022, you should come join us. We are going to be investigating there and the old jail in St. Augustine. St. Augustine is one of my favorite towns. It is just so much fun to visit. There's that really cool old fort there. There is the Fountain of Youth. Like It is the definition of tourist town, but it doesn't feel like it. It's a great place to visit. So if you want to come with us, please do. You can visit the website at strange-escapes.com. That is my haunted travel company. I have not yet convinced Chip Coffee to join us, but you never know. And now that you've brought up Strange Escapes, let me put my two cents worth in about Strange Escapes. There are a lot of companies that do this kind of event, or a number of companies, let's put it that way. And there are some very large events. But Amy's events are more intimate. You can really spend time with the people that are the the speakers and the, the talent that are there. You can interact with them and... You get a lot of that personal time to share with us when we're there. You put your all into making it a really positive experience for the people that attend. I congratulate you for that. You've, you've done a great job. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And I always tell people when they come out, I'm like, you're going to be sick of us by the end of this weekend. Yes, um, you are. You're, we're, 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 pretty, we're pretty available to the people that attend. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, But regardless, even if you're not coming to Strange Escapes, I hope everybody enjoyed hearing about the lighthouse and, and chatting with Chip. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. It's been a long time coming. I really have wanted you to, to come onto the podcast. So finally, I'm like, yes, this is the perfect place. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. You know, there's just about nothing you could ask me to do that I wouldn't do for you, Bruce. Oh. You know this. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I love you very much. And I love you too. I will hopefully see you very soon. I'm going to predict that you will see me very soon. We can't say anything more than that, but I will see you... In a few days. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you, darling. When I was growing up, my grandfather had an intense love for lighthouses. It was probably to his detriment because then everyone just kept giving him lighthouse-themed gifts for the rest of his life, which he always graciously accepted, of course. But I do remember losing count of them when we were cleaning his office after he passed. I don't think I fully understood the infatuation a sailor like him would have with them until I started investigating and researching them myself. Not only do I now understand why they still act as beacons for so many on land and by sea, but I can comprehend why they would be filled with energy and ghosts. There's a reason I've been called to so many to investigate, and I guarantee I will be visiting many more and probably covering more of them here on Haunted Road. Until then, I will leave you with this. Don't ever forget that just maybe you are the lighthouse in someone's storm. I'm Amy Bruni, and this was Haunted Road. Haunted Road is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Menke. Haunted Road is hosted and written by me, Amy Bruni. Additional research by Taylor Hagerdorn. The show is edited and produced by Rima Elkayali and supervising producer Josh Thane and executive producers Aaron Menke, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 